Lord, thank you for your word. We pray you bless your word tonight, God. May you use it, Lord, for your glory, for God, for you to powerfully speak to us tonight. So move upon our hearts, Lord, as you already are, but even more through your word. Anoint this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember, uh, or maybe you guys know about infomercials, right? And we know infomercials are designed to bring about a response. And what's that response? I want to buy it. I want to buy it now. You might remember this years ago, maybe if you're old enough. Remember the Ginzu knives? <laughs> remember the commercial showed these kitchen knives, how they cut through a tin can, they cut a garden hose, and then they just cut a tomato like butter. And then what they say, but wait, there's more, right? And then you, they end up selling you that whole set. I don't know if you remember those, that infomercial. You know what? Actually, there was a man named Arthur Schiff who woke up one morning with the name of that knife. He had the knife set made in Ohio. So he made up the Ginzu name. He had the knife set made in Ohio. He hired a Japanese exchange student to be the chef, and he filmed that infomercial with those memorable lines that help really close the deal, right? You remember, in Japan, a hand can be used like a knife, but it doesn't work with the tomato, right? And then they start showing the knife. All, all for three easy payments of $19.99. Well, <laughs> from, did you know from 1978 to 1984, the Ginzu knives racked up sales of more than $50 million. How do you like that? The response to that was just over the top. Well, last week when we started our study here in the uh, book of Acts, or, well, Acts chapter 13, actually, when we went on, we saw that open door, right, that was given Paul to preach the gospel in the synagogue. And we ended with the response of those people in the synagogue, uh, many went and followed Paul and Barnabas, wanting to hear more. Well, as he's in Pisidian Antioch, in that synagogue, tonight we continue on with a, a more a focus into look into the uh, look into it more focus on what uh, the response is as we end this chapter. So uh, we're going to see that for some the response was over the top, but there was also other kinds of responsive, which was more negative. So tonight I've titled our message "The Responses to the Gospel." The responses to the gospel. We're going to be studying Acts chapter 13, picking up at verse 44, where he left off all the way to the end, to verse 52. And this is the four things we're going to find here. Number one is, here for more, here no more, <laughs> here to save, and here to stay. So that's my outline. That's what we're going to be seeing and our points. Well, let's begin here with number one. Here for more. Number one, here for more. Uh, we begin with verse 44. And, and in this section, actually, we're going to only do this one verse, verse 44. Uh, it's a, it reads here, The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. All right, Luke continues on with this account. Uh, remember, we're on the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas are on this journey on this mission. John Mark left early, remember, they're in Pisidian Antioch, in that city up there in uh, uh, Pisidian area or close to Galatia, Asia Minor, we, uh, the New Testament calls it. And we're coming into, as Luke talks about, how the people responded to the message. And as I mentioned, verse 43, some followed them. They wanted to hear more. But now in verse 44, the next Sabbath, uh, one week later, because he had spoken at, on that Sabbath um, in, in this preaching that he did, we saw last week. Well, in the next week later, on that Sabbath service, 
This time, we read here in verse 44, almost the whole city gathered. They wanted to hear more of the word of the Lord. They wanted to hear more about Jesus. And I think that's amazing. Think about that. The whole city coming up. Word went out. News went out. Whoa, you you, got to come and hear what they're talking about. Now, remember, uh, there's Jewish guys in the synagogue, and they were at the service that we talked about last week. But there were also Gentile proselytes, those who were uh, God-fearing. That's how it was mentioned before. They feared God, and they were there too. But then this whole city is coming out. More people were hearing of this. And I would guess that it was more Gentiles that were coming out to wanting to hear what uh, the other people have been talking about. So you can see the deep impact that Paul and Barnabas were making on the people here, the people of this city. And you know what it really was? It was the Holy Spirit working. That's what it really was, right? Jesus said that power would come upon you, and you shall be witnesses for me. And the last part was unto the ends of the earth. And here's Paul now going out unto the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit was working very, very strong here. It made me think about how in Revelation twenty-two seventeen it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. The bride is the church. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. So I, I just see the Holy Spirit here calling the people. They are thirsting more and more for Jesus Christ, for hearing more. So the people were, here's our, our point, here for more. The people were here for more of what the Holy Spirit was saying through Paul. For what the Holy Spirit was saying through Paul. You know, uh, Yesterday, was it yesterday? Yeah. Uh, Pastor Bruce from Calvary Chapel Lehue from um, Kauai was here. And um, he brought two of his guys. And so we, we ended up going out to Lahaina to help Pastor Steve from Calvary West Side. Uh, they were handing out $100 gift cards um, uh, there at the Hyatt. And there in the bottom of the Hyatt, they, they have like Red Cross and uh, uh, some medical and um, family services and things like that. Well, they allowed Steve to set up a table and to hand out these these gift cards. He said in the past two days or so, he gave away like 36000 worth of gift cards. And when we went there yesterday, and this was just yesterday, there was a super long line just to get these gift cards. The other places hardly had anybody, but... Uh, the table that they put out for these gift cards, it was just a super long line. And you know what? My heart was sore about that. I was like, whoa, these people are hungry. These people are thirsty. These people really need this. Well, that's what made me think about how the people of the city came out. The Holy Spirit was moving. And if you think about here, this is this, is this Gentile city. Yeah? And they've come out. Paul's come out. Remember, he's an apostle to the Gentiles, and he's reaching out to the city. Um, Primarily, there's probably mostly Gentiles there at the synagogue trying to get in, maybe outside of it, maybe, you know, I don't know how it was situated, but trying to hear, trying to listen, trying to get and to be at the place where Paul and Barnabas were were there. So here's the people here for more of what the uh, Holy Spirit was saying through Paul. And so I can imagine that going on here, the spirit being so strong. What are we hungry for? What are we really thirsting for? Is it to hear the word? Is it to study? Is it, is it to sense the spirit? You know, I was thinking that I, I desire more of the spirit. When we're singing tonight, all, you know, all who are thirsty, God, come, you know, come, Jesus, come, Holy Spirit. I desire more of that. I desire more to drink of the Spirit. I, I'm hungry more for God. But sometimes, though, don't we drown out the voice of the Spirit? I don't know about you, but I want to hear the Spirit more. 
But many times we're drowning the voice of the Holy Spirit with the noise of this world. Where are you tonight? Does your heart burn? Remember those disciples on the road to Emmaus? Does it burn to hear God's word? That's where we should be. We should be like these people here desiring to hear more. They are here for more to hear more of the word. I didn't like that one. A.T. Pearson once said this, If you want to understand the Bible, get on your knees. You will learn more in one hour of prayerful communion with the Spirit than in a thousand years in all the schools of human culture. I like that. It's through the Spirit where we're going to really find what the Word is really saying. All right, so the responses to the gospel, well, we see here the whole city, almost the whole city came out, and they were here for more. Let's go to number two, hear no more. Hear no more. And here, and here we're going to be looking at verse 45 through 47. Verse 45 through 47. But let's take the first verse of this section, verse 45. It says, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. Now, the Jews of that synagogue, the Jews of that city, the Jews who belonged and faithfully went to that synagogue, all of a sudden they see this crowd coming. All of a sudden there's the, not just the Gentiles who regularly came, but now there's a whole, the, almost the whole city's coming out. And notice how it says in verse 45, when they saw all the people, all the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They were jealous that all of a sudden, what, why is everyone coming out now? You know, Oh, they were jealous of Paul. They were jealous that, well, Paul, look what Paul's saying. And, 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 and they had all come out to learn the word. They didn't like that at all. So they began, verse 45, to uh, contradict what was spoken by Paul. In other words, they argued against what he was saying. They went against it. No, that's not right. That's not right. They were, they were coming against what he was teaching. And it says here at the end of verse 45, they were reviling him. In other words, they were slandering his character. They were trying to get the people not to listen to Paul, not to believe Paul. They were, and, and isn't it sad? It, it wasn't so much what they believed, but it was their own sinful flesh, their own sinful attitude that they were jealous so I think this is interesting because fueled by that attitude of the sinful nature, they were being played by the enemy to be tools of the enemy to stop the word of God to be going out. That's what they're doing. I, I think it's sad that they themselves were not really listening to what Paul was saying. For what the Gentiles, and I'm, there's probably some Jews there that were um, listening there too, but it, it would seem like a lot of these, most of the Jews weren't into that, but they were missing what was being said, and the Gentiles were picking up what was being said. It was, it's kind of like, do you remember the parable of the sower and the seed that, that fell on the path, the hard ground there, the, the packed ground, the hard ground? What happened? Well, the birds came and ate the seed, right? And then later, Jesus interpreted that. Well, this is an analogy. This is a parable about, well, the seed is the word of God, and the birds are the enemies, the evil one, he said, that come up and scoop up the word before it could really be planted. Well, that's what I see what's going on with the hearts of, of these Jews. They were like the hard ground, the path that was all impacted, and the word was not getting through. Well, it goes on here now, verse 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So Paul and Barnabas, they spoke 
boldly. I like that. I like how it says in verse 46 that they spoke out boldly. They were not intimidated by them. They were not at all taken back. They spoke boldly. They spoke against what they were saying. You know what Paul is is saying here? He said, you know, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. God was obligated to share the word, the, the gospel, Jesus, the Messiah, to the Jews first. I mean, uh, the, Jesus came out, right, of the Jewish race. And God really had given them the mission to be witnesses for him in the world. So Paul is like, you know, we came to you guys first. That, that was really, God, that's God's real desire here. But since you thrust it aside, like you pushed it aside, and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. In, uh, in other words, you condemn yourself of receiving eternal life in Christ. You know what? We're going to go and focus in and offer the gospel Offer salvation to the Gentiles. And then he, he quotes Isaiah 49, 6. When in verse 46. Um, oh, I'm sorry, verse 47. For the, for the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Uh, actually, this was given to the Messiah, but it is applied now to the Apostle Paul, who is carrying that message for the Messiah to the Gentiles. But the interesting thing here is that we understand from our studies in the Old Testament, as I mentioned, is that God had chosen Israel, right, to be his people. And he's chosen them to be his light into the world, to share God, to share the truth of God and be a light in the world. But that didn't happen, right? They... They turned it into a club for themselves. That No, it's, you guys aren't saved or it's only us. They were supposed to be the light. The Messiah comes out from the Jewish people. Jesus comes. You know what? So the Jews could receive Christ, be saved, and really fulfill that mission in a real sense by sharing Jesus Christ and bringing salvation to the world. But the rejection of Jesus, the real message of salvation to bring to the world, caused God to now, you know, bypass the Jews and go straight to the Gentiles. So think about that, how their pride and prejudice really kept them from fulfilling what God had intended for them to do. And you know what they did? They stomped on what the Holy Spirit was saying. So this is, do you understand the whole picture here? This is the just the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. The Holy Spirit moving, bringing the gospel to this Jewish synagogue so the Jews would be saved, so they could continue on in, uh, or get into their mission, really what they were supposed to do. And the Holy Spirit is doing all this. But they rejected Jesus and they stomped on the Holy Spirit. So here's the point. The Jews pushed um, uh, the, the Jews pushed to them like, don't teach here no more. Don't teach here no more as they rejected the move of the Holy Spirit. I was thinking how yesterday when um, we were... Uh, helping Steve hand out those cards, and he asked us to be on the side. There's one person already, and he said, well, maybe you guys can be on the side to pray with people. So after um, they gave them a gift card, they were registering their names and stuff because there's some other things they want to give them. And um, uh, and also, then Pastor Steve was inviting them to a Sunday night service. I mentioned on Sunday that the Hyatt allowed them to do their um, property. And then... Um, uh, we asked them if they wanted prayer. And so we were on the side, and people, you know, came through the line, got their card, signed in, everything, and uh, got invited, and then went, you know, kind of out to us if they wanted prayer to get prayer. And, and many, many people are getting prayer. And there's a bunch of us um, 
like I told you, three from Kauai, me, and someone else was in prayer. And so um, sometimes I was just kind of standing there. But as I was standing there, I, I looked over and uh, the worship leader, the Calvary West side, was standing behind the table. And he was doing some work, but then, then he, he just was standing there. I thought, oh, I'll go say hi. We've known each other for years. So I went up, said hi, and um, it was nice to catch up, you know. And I was glad because I really felt the Lord just saying, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, go over there. And we're catching up, and I was asking his experience, you know, with the fire. His son lost um, his house or where he was staying, and he's okay, but uh, his business burned down. And in the business, um, it was a music store, he had all this personal equipment and guitars, and they're all gone, you know. And um, anyway, he's just sharing all that, and I was talking to him and just asking him questions. Or, you know, how's it going then financially? How's this stuff and everything? And then he goes, no, it's okay. You know, I'm just really trying to focus on outreach. And I was talking to him about the Sunday night service and all that. And, and I said, you know what? I just said a simple thing. And I just said, you know what? Hey, anything you need, hey, I'll, I'll come and help you. You want help Sunday night? You want help here? And it was like um, just... A few simple words, he just broke out, you know, into tears. And and then I was able to just encourage him and pray with him right at that moment. And I was just thinking how, you know, the Spirit gives us these, these moments. And God has us in certain places at certain times so that we can fulfill the mission he's given us. Whether it's sharing Christ with someone or praying for someone maybe who's not a believer or, or, or um, you know, here's a fellow minister, basically, you know, uh, and he's going through a lot. And just being able to be there, you know, th- and, and just through that prompting of the Spirit, and I just felt like, you know, the Lord had prompted me. I think it's important we're mindful of that. The Jews here, they were pushing back, yeah, on what the Spirit was saying. They were pushing that what God was trying to give them. They pushed the Spirit and they gave into what? Their own sinful flesh, that jealousy. So let me take that, and you guys think about this. Let me ask you, are you in some ways pushing back on the Holy Spirit because you're giving into your sinful flesh. We do that. We can do that. I do that. And then you know what? When we do that, we miss the opportunity that God is giving us to be used by God, empowered by the Spirit, to fulfill God's mission for us. Let's be careful not to be like these guys and miss out. I know most of you are believers. You believe in Jesus. so That's not so much the issue like with these Jews. But remember, the Holy Spirit is moving in this city. Everyone's come out because the Spirit. People are hungry because the Spirit is moving. Yet here's these Jews caught up in their flesh, caught up in their sinful jealousy, Probably connected to that is even Gentiles, what? No, no, you know, maybe this is, there's too many for them. But let's set our heart to follow the Spirit. And I'll tell you what, He will open up opportunities like never before. And I've been seeing that in my own life lately. All right, the responses to the gospel, we saw, we saw number one, here for more. There's a lot of, the whole city was here for more. But then the Jews are like, here, we don't want your teaching here no more. Here no more. Number three, we're going to see here to save. Here to save. Here we're going to look at verse 48 and 49. Verse 48 says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. 
Okay, well, when the Gentiles heard what Paul said, said, well, you guys rejected, then you know what, uh, Jews, you guys rejected, we're going to go to the Gentiles. Because you know what, the Lord has sent us to the Gentiles. The Lord God, it says in Isaiah, Isaiah that was the mission of the Messiah, that's our mission, we're going to the Gentiles. And so hearing that, hearing that salvation is to come to them, the ends of the earth, like Jesus said, then the Gentiles, when they heard that, they were rejoicing. They're so glad. They're, they're filled with joy and glorifying the word of the Lord, glorifying that the gospel, Jesus, well, it's for us too. And can you imagine that? I mean, they're blessed to hear that. Well, we're, we're included in this. That it's not just God's chosen, right? But God loves us too, and that's part of the message, right? That God wants to save the Gentiles too. And so with that, understanding that, there was even more excitement. There was more thirst. There was more hunger. And I believe many of the Gentiles came to the Lord. So much so, in verse 49, the word of the Lord was spreading, what? Not just in the city, but throughout the whole region there. It was going out. So there was a fire, a revival going out. The Holy Spirit was, was moving in a great way. I love that thought of how this mes- message of Jesus, the good news, so to speak, right? It's not just for the Jews, but Gentiles can be saved too. And that's what they're hearing. That's what the Holy Spirit was saying. That's why Paul and Barnabas were there. Now, There's a word here in our passage we just looked at. And I want to take a moment to address this word. Notice in verse 48, it says, They began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. And it says at the end, And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Well, I want to talk about that. Now, let me first say this in our passage right i've been talking about how god in the old testament choose israel to be his people but now they're rejecting jesus so i feel like luke is even writing here that well yeah israel was chosen they're to believe in christ and be that light and and then of course Uh, God uh, wanted to save the Gentiles, the world too. But now the focus is on those Gentiles who are appointed. They're chosen for salvation. They're chosen to be part of the saved. So I think there's a little flow of thought going in that way. But with that comes a lot of questions. Like appointed, chosen, wait, what? Uh, God chose us? The Gentiles were appointed, yeah? Or there's another word in the Bible, elected, that believers are elected. That same idea going on with that. I want to just take a moment to talk about divine election and the free will and responsibility of people, of us, of of persons. So the first thing I want to mention, we're going to see four things. Number one is divine election is taught in the Bible. Divine election, like God choosing people who believed, or choosing people, those who believe, like we see in this verse. Listen to these um, uh, verses, these scriptures. In John 15, 16, the first part, Jesus said this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Or there's another reference in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Paul wrote, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Isn't that interesting? He chose us before the foundation. That was before he created the world. He already chose us. Before he created everything. Before we were born, he chose us. And then verse 5 of Ephesians 1 says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So he predestined us to be saved people, to to be children of God. 
think about God chose Israel to be the children of God. Well, in the New Testament sense, he, we are predestined, we're adopted into God's family as his sons and daughters according to his will. So understand, God, if you're, if you're a believer, God chose you before anything was made. Isn't that just mind-blowing? God chose you before you were even born to be his child. Now, that naturally brings up a question. Well, if God chose me, if, if he appointed me to be saved, then does that mean that God appointed people to go to hell? No, he doesn't. People choose hell. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible does not say that God appoints or chooses a person to go to hell. No, all we read really and find in the scriptures is that that he chooses people to be saved. We know that uh, uh, it's really a choice that people make to, to reject Jesus or to accept Jesus. If you re- choose to reject Jesus, then that road is hell. So number one, divine election is taught in the Bible. Number two, free will and personal responsibility is also taught in the Bible. Let me give you this scripture. You guys know this. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that what? Whoever, no King James, whosoever, yeah, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say God so loved the world that he gave his only son that only the elect will have eternal life. Everyone else is going to perish. It doesn't say, it doesn't say, oh, that the chosen ones will not perish and have eternal life. No, whoever. That means whoever chooses to choose God. That's the idea. Who makes that choice to not reject Jesus, but to receive Jesus. In Romans 10, 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the old King James, it's whosoever there too. But in the ESV, it's everyone. And everyone is everyone. Anyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, who believes in him, will be saved. So you understand that, remember on Sunday we talked about God has given us a free will, the the capacity for choice. And so every person has that opportunity to receive Jesus Christ, uh, and that's our free will. That's our personal responsibility that we have before God. Now you might be thinking, well, how do we reconcile then this? If God chooses us, but then wait, we have our, our free will that we are to make a choice. I mean, how does that come together? It's almost, in our minds, it can come together. God choosing us and, and then free will. How can it be? Now, I want you to understand, first of all, they're both in the Bible. They're both in the Bible. Both truths. And the two seemingly, it, it, it seems like opposite truths. But, you know, this is the way I like to look at it. It is actually two sides of the same coin. That's how I, I like to look at it. For example, years ago, uh, the, um, they, the government put out, uh, remember the state quarters? We collected them um, and stuff. And Remember the one for Hawaii? On one side was George Washington, his head, right? And the other side was Kamehameha, you know, standing there. Now, on one side, if you looked at it, oh, this is about George Washington. No, but if you flip it over, no, this is about uh, Kamehameha. Two different rulers, two different times, yeah, yet they're on the same coin. They're on one coin. So we have two truths in the Bible. We, it's hard for us to put it together, but they're all really one truth. They're all in the Bible. It's what God puts forth. Spurgeon talked about it's like two parallel lines going up to heaven. We try and smish it together, but we can't. We can't do that. 
it, um, it's just too hard for us. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Jesus mentioned both. In John 6, 37, he said, All that the Father gives me will come to me. There's that divine election. And whoever, whoever, there's that word, comes to me, I will never cast out. And everyone who comes to me, I will never cast out. So in John 6.37, you see both truths together. And Jesus said that. So understand that divine election, the free will of a person, both truths are what our salvation is about. Yeah, God chose us. But then on the other side of the coin, we accepted Jesus. We made a choice for Jesus. Now, a question always comes up is, how do I know if I'm chosen? How do I know if I'm chosen? Well, the answer is come to Jesus and you'll find out you are. That's how that works. D.L. Moody once said, the elect are the whosoever wills and the non-elect are the whosoever won't. (laughs) So, Come to Jesus and you'll find out that. Make that choice for Jesus and you'll find out that you've been chosen. All right, so divine election taught in the Bible. Free will man is taught in the Bible. And even with all this now, number three is our minds can't fully understand this. You got to remember God is infinite. Our, we are finite. God's mind is way out there, right? Very huge, infinite. We're, our, th- our minds are finite. In Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So understand, we cannot fully understand or get to the bottom of God's mind. And so this is part of God's mind, his thoughts, his thinking. They're way higher. And so we, there's no way we can bring both of those truths together. The thing is, is God is not asking us to figure it all out. God is just saying, you know what? Just believe what the word says. There's a divine election and there's our own free will. And we just need to have faith and trust that well what god says is true and it's enough that god knows how to put that together i almost think that when we're in heaven and we have our glorified bodies yeah i think it'll make sense to us (laughs) and then because we'll have this more complete mind h.a ironside the pastor and commentator put it this way There's this big sign over the door to heaven that says, Whosoever will, let him come. And the call goes out to the whole world. And so you come, and you look at it, and you decide to turn the knob and go in. As soon as you get in, on the other side of the door, it says, Chosen before the foundation of the world. I like that. All right. Divine election is taught in the Bible. Free will and personal responsibility is taught in the Bible. Our minds cannot fully understand And number four, this is the last thing I want you to uh, put with this, and it bridges us back into our passage. Just the fact that God chose me should give me joy. It should give us joy, right? So put aside trying to put it together, but, but when we come to see this appointed word, that, wow, that meant God chose me, I, it should bring us joy. I mean, it's amazing that God would choose me even knowing, right, that I would sin against him in my life. That should bring us comfort. That should encourage us. That should give us joy. That God still chose to love me and to save me. And that's the joy. And so... That's part of, I believe, this joy these Gentiles have. So the point here is the Gentiles were filled with joy for the gospel came here to save. Here to save. 
I was thinking about how some take that word joy, you know, that make it into this acronym that is Jesus, others, and you. And that formula will keep you with joy. I heard someone say that J-O-Y, joy, is Jesus, zero, and you. The zero stands um, for nothing, and so let nothing come between you and Jesus, and that will give you joy. But then I thought, or J-O-Y, joy, Jesus, zero, you. You did nothing to save yourself. It was all Jesus. You just came to him. He did the work on the cross. And that, to me, is joy indeed, that God chose me. I love that. All right, the responses to the gospel, here for more, here no more, here to save. And number four, our last heading now is here, here to stay. Did I say that right? Here to save, and now four, here to stay. We're going to finish up the verses here in this chapter, verse 50 through 52. It says here in verse 50, But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and with and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So even though Paul said, Look, rebuke them, we're going to the Gentiles, that didn't phase them at all. The Jews seemed to even get more angry, more jealous, more determined, and they were not to be deterred. So they incited, they 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 got these uh, devout women of high standing. In other words, these high-ranking women in the city. Maybe they're upper class. Maybe they tithe big time to the synagogue or something. But uh, these devout women of high standing and also the leading men of the city, like government officials, they got them on their side and it ended up persecuting Paul and Barnabas to the point where they drove them out. And so they, they drove them out of the city. Well, Paul and Barnabas, in verse 51, they shook off the dust off their feet. Now, this is a Jewish thing to do. They would, if they entered a Gentile city when they left, maybe they were doing some business, when they left the city, they would shake the dust off their, their feet off a Gentile town. And that was like um, they didn't want their sin to go with them. Yeah. So Paul and Barnabas did this in a symbolic way towards the Jew. And also, you know what, to, to, to say, hey, there's, you guys are no different than pagans. You're no different than those who are, uh, you know, unbelievers Gentiles, whom you despise and did that, well, you guys are doing the same thing when you reject Jesus. So they left the city in that way symbolically, and they went to Icon Iconium. We're going to see more of that in the next chapter, which is east uh, to where um, Pisidian Antioch is. Well, with that, though, verse 52, the disciples, those who believe in Christ, and I'm sure there's Jews, but mostly Gentiles there, they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And what I like about that is that though Paul and Barnabas left, they were still saved, and the Holy Spirit was still working in them. Though the whole city was against Paul and Barnabas, the Gentiles didn't budge, the, or, or and even the Jews who were saved, those who believed in Christ, they it didn't change the work that was done. It didn't change what God did, the saving work that was done. It didn't stop nor deter God from working. You can't get rid of the Word of God. You can't get rid of Jesus. You can't get rid of, you can't stop the gospel from moving. So our last point tonight is this. The believers were filled with joy because the gospel 
is here to stay. Here to stay. I was thinking about how, um, you know, when everything first happened, August 8th, that Tuesday, and the next day when news was coming out about what happened in Haina, fires up here, uh, and the days after that, people couldn't live there. They're out. People are coming to town, a country and all, and, you know, all the chaos, everything that happened. And you remember how even though the roads are closed to Lahaina and people were trapped there, and, and you remember how so many people did everything that they could? I mean, um, the authorities are going in, and somehow I know there's some supply trucks able to go in, and so everyone was giving in that way, trying to get supplies over there. Uh, remember how people were flying in supplies? Um, I know s- someone who, uh, he flies the helicopter tours. He was telling me he was flying in supplies on the, on the helicopter. And then all the reports, you know, the boats and people. And it was like, even though the road was closed and they they weren't letting people through, it did not deter, yeah, for our community to help our other community that was hurting so much. I thought a cool story was um, Pastor um, Jonathan over at Grace Bible downtown there in Kalui. He was sharing in one meeting how that um, they were getting so much stuff. They were a resource center giving out. And uh, one thing that a lot of the guys are saying even today is that there's just too much clothes. People gave a lot of clothes, but it's too much. And HDA came. He said, Pastor Jonathan was saying, and they say, oh, we got all this clothes. He said, no, no, we can't. We can't take any more. We, we have too much already here at the church to give away. And, and so they're saying, well, we want to get it over there. And he goes, yeah, I don't know. And, go, and they're like, well, how about a boat? Maybe the boat can take the clothes over there. And he goes, no, I don't know. I don't know anything. Well, right after he said that, um, Pastor Kael, who was here, um, he showed up there and said, hey, my friends have a boat. Does anybody need a boat? You know, it was like the Lord just went boom and put the two together. And what they wanted to give was able to get over there to the other side. And it just made me think about how, how the, through the community and like stories like that, how nothing stopped, you know, the community from helping our community over there in Lahaina. Well, think about that, how, God is not stopped. How his word, the truth of his word, is not stopped. How salvation in Christ is not stopped. How Jesus is not going to be stopped. So let that set deep in our hearts. You know why? Because I think sometimes we stop ourselves. Maybe we think, ah, oh, I cannot do that, or I'm too weak. Or, but, you know, God, I always hear, well, if God doesn't use you, he's going to use someone else. And yeah, but let's understand that we can be part of this work that God's doing and not stop it, you know, like stop, um, God, uh, you know, letting God use us. Let's not be like that. Wait, let's be part of this movement. And, and, and there's a movement going on here in, in the city, right? In that area. And so the believers here are just so filled with joy. Let's tap into that. The joy of the Holy Spirit. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So no matter what opposition maybe you're facing tonight, no matter maybe what's bothering you or what's annoying you, no matter what that is, you know what? Let the Spirit move you. Don't stop the Spirit. Don't stomp on it like the Jews. Don't give in to your sinful flesh. But let the truth of the Word and the Holy Spirit empower you. And what I kept reading in this passage was joy. 
You know when the, these Gentiles and these guys responded and responded to Christ? Wow, a byproduct was this joy. The joy of salvation. The joy that God is with me. And I believe the Holy Spirit was there. So let the joy of the Lord be your strength. I'll close with this. In the early um, 1800s, Napoleon's general Massena with 18,000 troops came upon this Austrian town who had no defenses, no army, nothing. The town council, they agreed they were ready to just surrender because there's no way they'll just get smashed. But a leader in the church reminded everyone that it was Easter. It was Easter Sunday. And that that leader convinced the town council to let them still have service and trust in God because it was Easter Resurrection Sunday. Well, the French army uh, was, came into town. Easter Sunday, they started ringing the church bells. And the bells, the story says, were joyfully ringing, celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Well, when the French army heard all that ringing and all, they thought the Austrian army had come to save this town. And so they ran. They fled. And so before the bells stopped, all the French were gone. (laughs) I love that. Let's ring our bell of joy and rejoicing in Christ's salvation, in his resurrection, in the power of of the resurrection in our lives, the power of the Spirit and the joy of the Spirit in us. So no matter what you face, no matter what's going on, these believers, the Gentiles in this hostile town now, it didn't smash their joy. It didn't stomp the Holy Spirit, but they had joy. So let's find joy coming out of our right response, out of all the responses that could come out to the gospel. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. And God, thank you for just speaking to our hearts. And help us tonight, Lord, to not quench the spirit in our lives. Lord, may we find your spirit growing stronger. May we find ourselves listening to the Spirit better. May we open our deaf ears, God. May we be more sensitive than before. May we not be like these Jews who gave into their flesh, their sinfulness. God, may we fully surrender to you. And God, I thank you that sometimes for me, I know I'm me, myself, is the biggest obstacle. But God, you can move mountains and you can move me. And even if the biggest mountain is me, Lord, you can move that. So thank you, God, that you save. And when you save, you save totally. So continue to do your work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.